0: Did you know that short and medium term rentals often offer double the cash flow compared to long term rentals? Well, it's true. And rental retirement just made investing in them easier than before. Now you can buy fully turnkey short and medium term rentals that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed. Maximize your cash flow, appreciation and equity while the Rental retirement team takes care of all of it for you. Plus, their creative financing options like interest rate buy downs can get you a rate in the low fives and their investor loans let you buy multiple properties with as little as 5% down, not 20%, 5% down. But why buy with Rental retirement? They're investors just like you and me and rock one of the highest reputations across big pockets with more 5-star reviews than any other company on our site. And I think that's a pretty big deal. To learn more, visit rentoretirement.com. That's rent retirement.com or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI 33777 to learn more about how you can get started investing in some of the best cash flow markets today. Slash Bigger Pockets Relay is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services provided by ThreadBank, member FDIC. The Relay Visa debit card is issued by ThreadBank, pursuant to a license from Visa USA Inc. and may be used everywhere Visa debit cards are accepted. Buy low, sell high. Buy low, sell high. It's a simple concept, right? But not necessarily an easy concept. Right now, high interest rates have crushed the real estate market. Prices are falling, and properties are available at a discount which means Fundrise believes that now is the time to expand the Fundrise Flagship Funds billion dollar real estate portfolio. You can add the Fundrise Flagship Fund to your portfolio in minutes by visiting fundrise.com/pockets. fundrise.com/pockets. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges and expenses of the Fundrise Flagship Fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com/flagship. This is a paid advertisement
1: this is the bigger pockets podcast show 282 so know for sure
2: you got to be patient with yourself because you have to give people reasons to want to partner with you and how do you do that you do that by knowing what you're talking about being able to speak the language by
3: you're listening to bigger pockets radio simplifying real estate for investors large and small if you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com,
1: your home for real estate investing online. What is going on, everyone? This is Brandon Turner, today's host of the Bigger Pockets Podcast, here with my
3: co-host, Mr. David Green. How you doing, David Green? Other than melting in this hundred degree California heat, I'm doing pretty good. How's it over there? (laughs) Not, not definitely not 100 degrees.
1: All right, so I'm going to start off today's show asking you a question I don't usually ask you. Uh, What instead of just you know, I already guess I said what's up, what do you you know, how you doing? But uh, what are you learning? What are you before we get the interview? What are you learning lately, David Green? What's been
3: uh, on your mind? I was not expecting you to go that deep this early in the podcast. (laughs) We're going deep, right? uh, Yeah. What's been changing in your life? Go. So lately I've been realizing that I, I tend to take on new challenges, learn them, and then get stuck there. So I'm going through a phase right now where I became a real estate agent. In my first year, I became the top selling agent in my office. It was awesome. I got up to a great start. I got really good at being a real estate agent. And then I just got stuck in just playing that role all the time when what I really wanted to be was a business owner. I wanted to develop a business, learn how to be an agent, hire agents, teach them how to do it, and have more David Greens running around that can help investors find properties. Oh, please, no. Please, please. Anyway, I agree. Yeah, yeah. More David greens. And uh, what ended up happening is I lost my confidence because people like Brandon didn't believe in me and said mean <laughs> things when I was recording the podcast and I just got stuck in the same place. So what I'm realizing is every time I get comfortable, I need to start asking myself, what's the next step? How do I push forward? You, you want to get comfortable with being uncomfortable and I'm not. And it causes me to not take the steps forward that I need. So I spent pretty much all day long thinking about this and realizing I need to start hiring people, finding talent, giving them new positions within my company and teaching them how to do what I'm doing so they can do it. And we can can help more people and in, in, uh, in route to being the top selling real estate team in the Bay Area. So it's kind of heavy as it sits on you. And you think about all <laughs> the fear and uncertainty and what if it goes wrong. And just like everybody else, I have all these doubts that go through my head. And I have to remind myself what we say all the time on the podcast, well, you got to think about what could go right. What would I be missing out on if I don't do this and I don't expand exponentially? and I don't teach more people and I can't help more people. And then bad real estate agents end up getting more business. So that's kind of what's been going on with me. And you asked for the truth. So you got it.
1: That was that was deep for like a on the off the cuff meme, you know, throwing that at you. wow all right. Well, I guess if you're in the Bay Area, you should hang out with David and be part of his team. Look at that. I even gave you a plug. All right. That was Nice. You like that? All right. We're going to we're going to build your you're going to be the number. You're not going to be the best, the biggest real estate team in Bay Area, the biggest real estate team in California. I don't wow. know who's number one right now, but we're we're coming for you. That's what we're. You we're heard doing. it here first. Brandon yeah. Turner
3: writing <laughs> checks that I now have to go cash. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. Well, we got to get on with today's show. Today's show is really fantastic. We've got a couple guys who actually met through Bigger Pockets, through a mutual connection, through BP. They got together uh, and they've been crushing it in their real estate. And so we talk a lot today about partnerships and how to put them together, how to make them uh, work, how, to, how they're finding deals, how they're funding deals. Some really cool stuff there. So you guys will like it. Both single family, multifamily. We cover it all. Uh, but before we get there, let's get to today's. Quick tip. tip. All right. Today's quick tip. Very simple. Uh, because we're talking a lot about partnerships today, I want to encourage y'all. Now I'm not saying you have to go out and find a partner necessarily, but I want to encourage y'all to go find somebody on BiggerPockets in your local area. And there's a lot of ways to do that, but I recommend just type in your zip code at biggerpockets.com slash meet, M-E-E-T. Uh, type in your zip code there. Find somebody uh, local and Try to connect with them, whether it's send them a private message, go out and get a cup of coffee, whatever. Uh, You never know what will develop. And in fact, it doesn't mean you're going to partner with that person, but they might know somebody that can, maybe you'll work together someday. Maybe you share contractor ideas or, or, you know, strategies, whatever. Anyway, that is my not so quick tip today.
3: You like it? I love that. I mean, that's basically how the Avengers became the Avengers, right? Is they found somebody (laughs) who had a skill that was different than theirs and they joined forces and they took down enemies that no one man alone could take down. And that's kind of what today's guest did. They kind of took the Avenger approach.
1: That's pretty much exactly what I was thinking. (laughs) All right. Let me ask you this,
3: David. If you were an Avenger, who would you be of the Avengers? Oh, man. I want to say the Hulk but that's probably not true. I would want to say Iron Man, but I'm not that wealthy. I'd probably be Captain America because I'm kind of boring and a bit of a square and I like to like lead all the other people. I'm surprised though, Brandon, that you know who the Avengers are because with the two-year-old, all that you're really watching is like TV shows and Moana and like Teletubbies, Bli- Bli- right? Blippy. Hundreds Blippy.
1: Blippy. of hours of Blippy on YouTube. If you guys don't know Blippy, YouTube them. All right. So uh, I, could, I would say Captain America too. The whole cop thing, it fits. So... All right, well, we're going to move on and we're going to get to today's show. But the last thing before we do, this coming week over on Bigger Pockets, I'm going to be doing a live online class on how to run the numbers on a rental property. So if that interests you at all, if you want to see how I run my numbers, cash flow, cash and cash return, uh, how I incorporate appreciation in there or how I don't, because uh, I do a little bit, a li- little bit, I don't. Even talk about burr investing a little bit. We're going to be covering all of that live on a real life webinar, which is an online class. Sign up at biggerpockets.com webinar. Again, biggerpockets.com slash webinar, and I'll see you guys there. Now, with that, let's get to our interview with Jay and Tim. All righty. Jay and Tim, welcome to the Bigger Pockets podcast. How you guys doing?
4: Outstanding. Great. Thank you for having us.
1: Yeah. So uh, I, I know you guys only via social media. Uh, I guess we're BFFs there, maybe, so to speak. But uh, I want to get to know you a little bit about your real estate investing journey. Uh, now, my understanding is from our little notes here is that you guys were like both getting involved in real estate independently before you kind of joined forces and, and and took on. Is that correct? That is correct. That is
2: affirmative. Yes, sir. Uh,
1: all right. So why don't we go through each of your individual stories first, and then we'll jump in together. You guys want to do a little game to figure out who goes first? A little sure. rock, paper, scissors? Let's do yeah. it. All right, all right, one round. So it's not best of three. One round. Okay. And you got to do it to the camera. Ready? You guys look at each other and do your little things here. All right, ready? You who are do, you, who are you betting on, David? You do
2: rock, paper, scissors, right? Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. shoot. And then yep. we shoot on shoot. Ready?
3: Yeah.
2: Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Tied. Rock, Tied, paper, Tied again. Scissors, shoot. All right, I'm first. All right. I got the paper.
1: All right, tell us who you are and then uh, tell us your story.
2: All right. Hello, everybody. My name is Timothy Kelly. (laughs) I am currently active duty military. I'm stationed in the Pensacola, Florida area. Um, got involved in real estate back in 2011 when I purchased my first single family home with the intentions of living in it and flipping it, you know, over the course of a couple of years, adding value to it over time, pretty successful with that. And then throughout that, that two or three years, I'm like, real estate is actually pretty neat. Started reading a lot more about personal finance and, and real estate. So my, my curiosity grew. And then one of my, you know, one of my partners, still one of my best friends today, Jordan Griggs, if you're out there, I love you, man we bought a uh, a couple small plots of land and that was pretty much it. And then I moved to, that was in when I was living in Virginia, the Virginia Beach area. Then I moved to Pensacola, Florida, now where I'm stationed. And a few months after I got here, I closed on a fourplex using a 203K loan that I learned all about on Bigger Pockets with the intentions of house hacking it. Long story short, now it's a rental, um, a very nicely cash flowing rental. And br- just before we close on that, I pretty much, me and Jay met through a Bigger Pockets a broker linked us up together. We were both independent. <coughs> Talking to him. His name is Kyle McGee on Bigger Pockets. He then recognized that we both had similar goals and then uh, he put Jay and I in touch. And, and from that point, that's, that's when me and Jay met. All
1: right. So, Tim, a uh, couple quick things. First of all, can you explain what that 203 k loan is? Because we do talk about it a lot at Bigger Pockets. It's not real well known, but I think it's one of the most powerful strategies, especially doing it with a fourplex. Oh, man. Like, this is like my favorite show ever because this is like, the best use, I think, for a 203k loan. So what is that? Can you kind of walk us through what what did you do? What does that mean for that deal?
2: Absolutely. So the 203k loan is an FHA-backed loan, whereas you can purchase a property with your intentions of living in one of the units, and you could wrap in your rehab costs. When I first learned about this, I, I had to read it over a couple of times to to think and, and to to convince myself that it was real because I'm like, how... What, is there a better way to first get involved in real estate than to leverage the power of a bank, not only paying for your property, but a bank paying for your rehab. And I was like, okay, so I'm, I'm going after this and it's, it, you know, really quick numbers. It was $150,000 property, fully fully rehabbed. It needed some some tender, tender love and care for sure. So then I put $100,000 worth of rehab into it. So the total loan was 250. Three point five percent down is all I needed to come up with, um, with with closing costs and everything. That that was about fifteen grand, give or take a uh, you know a couple a couple thousand. And with that, I had to you know only put that fifteen k down, and I was able to get into a four unit property that essentially included a hundred thousand dollars worth of rehab. And now it's a in a, in a very hot, desirable market in Pensacola. It's, it's been fully occupied ever since. And it turns out that. You know, we actually had the intentions of house hacking it, living in one of the units, running out the other three, because the rehab went a little bit longer than we ex- expected it was supposed to go about 90 days. It lasted for about seven or eight months. We were settled into a place. We were settled in another place. So FHA guidelines, you have to have the intentions of moving in yep. for six months in one day because we were past that. Um, we ended up just turning it into a rental, and uh, that was that was pretty much one of the last deals that I closed, and it was it was pretty cool. So always try to convince people if if they're if they're unaware of house hacking or unaware of the 203k loan. I love trying to get people into that at least to learn about it and try to leverage the same thing I did.
1: Yeah, that's that's awesome. I love that 203k loan, yeah, because it, it allows you, like, normally in a deal like that, you would have had to come with, even if you would have done FHA, you would have had to come with the, you know, three and a half percent of the 150 and, uh, you know, and then another hundred grand of cash, which is how most people do real estate deals. But this is like, the banks, like, combine both together and then just pay three and a half percent of the total and they will fund the rehab. Like, how much, how, and, and yeah. it's like, you know, probably a 30-year fixed mortgage at, like, the lowest rates in human history. Absolutely. It's, like, stupid good. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. All right. So David, do you want to add anything to that before we jump over? I'm kind of hogging today's nope, show. I'm good. Let's hear about Jay.
4: So I got my start in two thousand six, right? And um because we now know the height of the market was coming shortly after that. I like to refer to that as to my fault start right that was before bigger pockets that was before really knowing anything other than what was shown on on HGTV flipping you know flipping houses so I bought a three uh, two a 1950s ranch style house with with the idea of living in it and flipping it that quickly turned into we owned it uh, ended up being eight years right so uh, after a few years of being in there and flipping it or, or remodeling it, doing a lot of work myself, uh, I met uh, Cassie who's now my wife. And luckily she became my designer as well, because I was gonna make some horrible uh, decisions from the design of the properties. So we ended up uh, getting the property, you know, re- re- our renovation included um, brand new windows all throughout, right? Uh, 1950 style, they were the metal frame, single pane glass, brand new kitchen, renovated sunroom, uh, renovate- renovated bathrooms. Well, at that same time, or starting in 2008, I got an opportunity to move to Pensacola for my job. Um, so we took it, and we we initially wanted to sell it, but the broker I've been working with told me, Hey, hold on to it. You know if you don't have money to come to close when you sell it, just hold on to it. So we did, we turned it into a rental, and then at that point in time, I found bigger pockets. I learned how to actually analyze a property for cash flow, and I started figuring out, okay, it's costing me three hundred dollars a month to hold on to this property, and that's with high to the market rents for that neighborhood. So every February, I made it. A, I made a call to that broker saying, "Hey, is it time to list? No, not yet. No, not yet." So back in 2015 or 2014, it was time to sell. Right. So we walked away with some equity in that. I now had all the knowledge that Bigger Pockets had to offer at that time. After selling it, we paid cash for our next one, which was a what I consider our true start. And it was a one bedroom, one bath. We pay, it was a it was a foreclosure. We paid cash for it. We paid twenty three thousand cash for it. We put nine thousand into it, and it rented six hundred dollars a month uh, from the time that we it was ready, right? Wow. So, we just actually, and we thought we'd hold on to that property forever, right? And we just sold it in February. I wasn't had it, didn't have it listed for sale. Got I don't even know how the guy found me, but he said, "Hey, I've been watching this house. I'd really like to buy it." He was a new investor. And we came up with a price that I was happy with. We sold it. And we're now using that money to 1031 exchange into a fourplex, which we're supposed to close tomorrow, but I just got noticed that's going to be postponed just a little bit. So that's unusual. What are you yeah, talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so that's cool. it. That's how we got that's how it how got started. So can
3: you All tell right. us a little bit about this live in flip that you had? You guys have mentioned two Awesome ways for people to break into real estate. One of them was a FHA loan with the two or three K aspect. And then this live in flip, tell us how that looked, what you did, why that made it easier for
4: you. Yeah. So the biggest thing that helped me at the time I bought it is I was, I was single right? I mean, this was a 1950 style house, had not been touched since the fifties. I mean, it had some of the funnest wallpaper some of the funnest looking tile bathrooms, you know, and, and the, the, the double oven stove was there. I mean, I think it was manufactured in the fifties. It was, it was God awful ugly. So knowing that going into it, I knew I could put the sweat equity into it. Nights and weekends was a great time for me to do that. But then my wife came along and it truly was a blessing. She moved in. We, you know, we we did the whole thing where we moved the kitchen into the living room, right? Our fridge is hooked up. We're eating microwave meals if we're not eating out. And, and she got in there with the best of them. She, I mean, demo day was absolutely fun ripping things up. I had to say, Hey, don't, let me do that part. Cause I'm afraid you're going to get hurt. Yeah. You know? I mean, she's, she's five, eight, maybe a hundred, 110 pounds. And she's out there slinging a sweat hammer, trying to knock stuff down. So doing that, you know, and, and we're, we're actually doing the same thing in this house. We, that we're in right now is when we first moved in here, we didn't have a kitchen, right? We had a fridge, uh, we had some folding tables, utility sink, but you know, so I think part of that success is having the right partner is kind of where I'm circling around back to that is, is having somebody who's willing to go through that. And and it has tremendously gotten more difficult from the first time we did it because we didn't have kids then. Now we've got a three-year-old and a one-year-old. It's an adventure, right? Yeah.
3: So you guys were able to save on hard money costs. You were able to save on like, you didn't have to come up with a rehab money right away. You could kind of do some of this stuff yourself. And right. you just were smart enough to make it easy for yourself to get that first one under your belt. You kind of probably took some lumps like we all do in our first deal. You got a little bit of confidence built up and then you're able to ramp up a little bit more. Am I hearing yeah. you right? Is that kind of what you guys did?
4: Yeah. And, and I will say there is some value in contracting out, right? So that uh, single, that one bedroom, one bath that I talked about earlier, we bought it, we closed on it when our son was three weeks old and As you guys know, when you have kids, there's a lot of things that just change and you can't really prepare for them until the kid gets here and you kind of start adjusting. So we went into that idea of, hey, we're going to do all we've done this before. So, I mean, all we're doing is painting some walls, uh, putting down some flooring, everything we've done before. We thought we can do it ourselves and we can save on that labor. Well, so we closed on in October and we didn't get ready until February of the next year. Right. And so afterwards I did the math. I said, well, you know, we missed out on I think it was six months or something like that, that we missed out on almost two grand. In monthly rent. And then I already had contractor bids and it was well below that for them to do the work themselves. So, you know, there's some value in, in knowing your limits and knowing your time available time and what's going to make the most sense to produce the most cash for you. So you guys were both kind of doing your thing
3: on your own. And then you guys met through a mutual friend on bigger pockets. Can you tell us how you guys knew when you were introduced to each other that you'd make a good team or how this person knew that you guys would make a good team? Tim's Hawaiian shirt.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. It was the same shirt I was wearing when we, uh,
2: when we met No, So like, like as I mentioned to uh, before via bigger pockets, a broker that was on bigger pockets was individually talking to myself as well as Jay individually. And he, we were all in the same area. And this broker Kyle knew that we had the same goals and he took it upon himself to set a dinner up with all three of us where you can come and meet each other and chat and see how much more we could accomplish together as you know, all three, with all three of us. And from that point, you know, Jay and I recognized we, 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 we had the same goals. We knew initially we both wanted to do medium and large size multifamily for buy and hold. So our goals were on track and they were very concise. And then I, you know, Jay and I both knew that we were both just as committed. We, We, this wasn't just a hobby. We weren't just playing around in real estate. We actually wanted to do big things in real estate and we were actually committed to it. So that was easy to recognize that this is a business, not, not just a hobby. And then, you know, at that, point six months later we closed on an apartment complex together
3: yep so it tell does, us about that but what, what apartment complex did you guys buy what were some of the details behind it
4: yeah so it's a 42 unit apartment complex uh, in Mobile County Alabama it was uh, purchase price 700,000 and we wrapped uh, a $200,000 renovation budget in there uh, it was built in 1980. And uh, the previous owner or the current owner that we bought it from had it for about 10 years. And he was an elderly man who was trying to do a lot of things himself. And when I say elderly, he's, he's in his mid-70s living at the property during the week. Self-managing. Self-managing. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. yeah. So, you know, the property, I think, was just as tired as he was. Right. And trying to keep it up. So it was a great opportunity for us to take it on. We're scheduled to be done with renovations uh, next week. Uh, as long as everything comes to plan uh, and that included help me out here we so we we painted the exterior right uh, repave the parking lot repave the parking lot restriped the parking it, lot yeah. uh, we had some fencing we had to repair we updated the playground equipment uh, We
2: renamed it completely renamed the whole entire community from timber trace to citronelle square just new updated fresh signs and and, and part well of that as,
4: part of the renaming was the 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 timber reputation. trace name yeah. did not have a very good reputation yeah. for the community right And we wanted yeah. to make sure new ownership was involved and that we're, we're planning to turn things around so uh, and then we also renovated 12 units right and there's some varying depending on what how how poor shape the units were in most of them got new flooring new paint painting kitchen cabinets were brand new kitchen cabinets uh new bathrooms lighting fixtures new outlets, switches uh the whole nine so Nice. Did you did you say how you found the deal? Did I miss that, or did, we did not, we not say that? Out? Yeah. Okay, yeah how would you find it? So the broker
2: that we had met on that uh, that that first dinner that we had. Okay. Um, yep he the broker wasn't particularly as seasoned you know he he wasn't um at the point where he's working on his ccim for those who understand commercial brokerage he put us in touch with a lot more of a seasoned individual who had had a ccim and he just had a lot more experience in the commercial world and multifamily world and you know Quickly after that, we, we were introduced to him and then Jay and I built a relationship with him. We were very clear and concise in, in what we were looking for. And we told him exactly what we wanted. He knew we weren't just messing around. He knew we were serious. And that was essentially one of his pocket listings.
1: I love that you say clear and concise. I think you said that phrase earlier too, and I was—I made a note to talk about it because, like, so many people have these goals or your plan or your like what you're looking for in a property or a partner or whatever. And it's like, I want this and this, and then I think this would be cool, but maybe this would be good, and maybe I want to do the like, right? Like, I love clear and concise goals or clear and concise uh, objectives, right? So you say like, this is what we're looking for is a small to medium, you know, medium-sized apartment complex in this type of thing, like very easy to understand and very easy for people to get behind. Yeah. So I would encourage everyone listening right now is like, figure out what you want and find Mm -hmm. out a way to make that more clear and concise so that other people, you don't have to spend five. If you spend more than 10 seconds explaining to somebody what you want, it's probably too complicated. You need to uh, focus in. Right. And it it does
4: take some time, right. To figure out what you want. Right. And and if you can figure out why you want to invest in real estate, that, that whole investing criteria is going to get much more clear. And, And David, as we were talking last week about, one of the fr- most frustrating things I have when I get on the, the forums is somebody will put, you know, is this a good deal? And they'll put these very minimum details about the deal. And, you know, usually my answer is, well, is this a good deal for you? Why do you want to buy it? You know, what is what is driving your interest in this at all? Right. And, and you got to figure out your why. You know, once you figure out your why, then you're going to be able to set goals to help support that why. Once you figure out your goals, you can establish investing criteria, and then you're just, as Tim was saying, clear and concise. Yeah, I love that, and I, I also would like
1: want to point out, you don't like. Okay, people are saying, well, I don't know exactly what I want, right? <laughs> so I don't know if I want a middle-sized apartment complex or if I want to maybe flip houses, like. Part of me likes to tell people it doesn't really matter too much, you know, like it all works. Like you can find an example of somebody getting wealthy in pretty much every single type of real estate in the world. Right. So it's more important to pick something than to pick the right thing. I think, I mean, obviously yeah. you should pick something that works in your market and your, your abilities, but it's again, one of those things don't spend your entire life just going, I'm not really sure exactly what I want. Like give yourself a deadline, put it on the calendar on this date, three weeks from today, I will yeah. have a decision on what I'm doing and then, and then do it. Uh, so I want to shift a little bit and talk about how you were able to pull that off a uh, $700,000 purchase. And then you said 200,000, right. in repairs, right. that's a lot of money to come out of pocket with. Right. So I'm assuming you had some kind of financing or some kind of arrangement or something. Tim's couch cushions. <laughs> <laughs> it's just saving for years. <laughs> nice. i to come to your house. Yeah. Anyway, okay. So how'd you pull it off?
2: So we, uh, we essentially, you know, we, that was presented to us because Jay and I slowly became um, known as as a couple individuals in this market that who were serious about our goals and pursuing it we did the the diligence necessary we did the research we would go to the ria meetings and we would ensure that everybody knew what we were doing what we were looking for and and thereby knew how serious we were and so we had a couple other money partners that we actually brought in who this now this new broker that gave us uh, showed us this pocket listing that, that we ended up closing This broker had worked previously with these two other individuals that we were already talking about um, perhaps uh, partnering on this deal with anyway. So now we have Jay and I, and then the other two partners who essentially brought the money in, who had experience in multifamily, who had experience in commercial Mm -hmm. and who had uh, a better reputation than we did because they had closed a number of deals in the past. So between the four of us, we kind of came together. Uh, Jay and I brought the deal. We did all the due diligence. And then and then the other two partners kind of brought the money in and they brought a little bit of the expertise to oversee everything just to make sure we're not, you know, that we fill all the gaps uh, before closing, that we can get to the closing table. And long story short, that's 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 it in a nutshell.
1: Right. Did you guys have to bring money yourselves in or did you do it like how, how did that work out?
4: We, we did. We, we had the option to not because, uh, you know, of the, the other efforts of raising money, but we, we felt, or at least I did, I I felt, Hey, this is my first deal. And I've had the question posed to me before is, you know, how much are you investing? And, you know, if I, in in previous one, I've said none that quickly turned investors off, you know, and and to circle that I've kind of went back around and and followed up with those guys and said, well, would it make a difference if I were signing on the note for the loan? Right. You're not liable, but I am, even though I'm not putting money to the day on the table, I am liable for that nine hundred thousand dollar loan. There's an absolutely that's that's you you know contributing more than just putting the deal together. So that helped with the conversation, right? That that didn't happen in particular for this deal, but it's happened for others, right?
2: Yeah, sure. We I don't think. Yeah. It, it, Long story short, I don't think we needed to invest, but it was such a good deal that that Jay and I both ended up investing. But he brings such such a good point when you're when you're syndicating a deal, if, if you're investors who are passive, who are all they want to know is they 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 want to know about the deal, but they want to trust the people who are the asset managers before anything else. They want if if, they, if it's a question that they're not particularly investing as the asset managers, they're like, well, why how would I invest if if the asset managers who know the deal better than anybody else are, are not investing? Um, so especially for your first indication um, that we felt like we we should have invested. Plus, we wanted to. It was such a killer deal anyway. So,
1: Yeah, that's cool. So let me talk about this idea. I love the idea of bringing in partners to bring the money or the majority of the money, right, to be able to pull down these larger deals. Uh, a lot of people, you know, would rather have the entire thing. Of course, we all would rather have 100%, right? But what's sure. the phrase that we always say around pockets Like 100% of a great deal is better than 50%. Or no, 50% no, of a great deal is better than 100% of no deal, right? Yeah, yeah so, yeah. what but I want to I talk about the actual partners that you brought in a little bit. Did you find them first, or did you find the deal first? And then second half of that question, how do you recommend other people doing it? Like, if you were to give advice to somebody else, should they find the money partner first and then go get the deal, or vice versa? So,
2: so, it's... Uh,
1: the way the way it happened
2: was went to a RIA. when I first got here, I, the first month that I was here, I went to that first RIA meeting and it was in the process of growing the real estate investment association meeting. And for all the listeners, we can I can go on for hours talking about the power of going to your local real estate meetups. Um, and if there's not one, create one on meetup and establish it and go um, so essentially went to the RIA and the first meeting I ever let everybody know exactly what I was doing, looking for multifamily, B and C-class for value-add opportunities, blah, blah, blah. And I went straight to the president of the RIA afterward and say, Hey Matt, this is, you know, I'm Tim Kelly, blah, blah, blah. This is what I'm looking for. He directed me straight to those other two um, money partners who were, couldn't make that meeting. But he's like, these are the two guys that you need to link up with because they're known as the commercial multifamily apartment guys. That next week I set a meeting up with, with one of them. Um, Cause those two individuals are both uh, also active duty military. So, uh, we all have kind of uh, strict schedules and I, I met him meeting up with him. I showed him the deal that we were looking at and he immediately knew that it was, it was a solid deal. And I, I kind of, he didn't come on and say, it, but he's like, I, you know, I want to be a part of this. And, and then a few, you know, about the next month, me and Jay presented it to them say, Hey, we're, we're trying to syndicate. Would you guys be willing to be a part of this and to help us get to the closing table? And uh, that, that's how
4: that's how it happened. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to add? Yeah. So another point to that is if you don't know who to talk to and you're, and you're you're very an introvert like myself. Right. You don't like to get up in front of crowds like like Tim does. One of the things and I heard this, we've heard several different versions of this, but I heard this version on, on a different podcast recently is about you know, start talking to your friends and family. Say, hey, I want to get invested and start investing in real estate. Who should I talk to? Well, take it one step further. And this is the part I heard on a different podcast was if you were to get fired today, who are the 10 to 15 people you would call to say, "Okay, what should my next step be? Right. And those are the 10 to 15 people you need to call and say, hey, I want to get invested and start investing in real estate. Who should I be talking to? Right. Because those are going to be the people who give you the best advice and they're they're probably much more well-connected.
1: Yeah, that's so good. Uh, one other thing you brought up, I've never heard anybody say this strategy before, and I don't think you meant to do it. You didn't do it on purpose. I don't think, but it's still really, really awesome. You brought the deal to the guy. It sounds like to almost like ask advice, right? You weren't even pitching him the deal at first. You were asking advice, letting him know about the deal, getting him excited along with you. And then later, again, I'm not saying you did this on purpose, but it's such a cool strategy, right? Then later you go back and say, hey, are you interested? Because now they've had time to think about it. They've had time to look at the deal a little bit. They know who you are. They trust you that you were asking advice. And now you can raise money. I'm totally going to steal that move. Yeah. And start using that.
2: For everybody listening, I'm, I'm telling you, if especially if if you've done a little bit of real estate yourself and, and you know you want to go after the medium or large size multifamily deals. And, and you don't have that cash on hand or you don't have the reputation where you could raise a couple million for a deal, bring it to the people that you know can. I'm telling you, because once you get this first deal done, it's been there's been exponential growth with both Jay and I with now people know, look, we closed an apartment complex and it, it's almost like without even realizing it, you're a magnet to money, to people who want your advice, to people who know that you have the capacity to close deals. You, you get more deals coming through, you get more money coming through simply because you knew how to get that first deal closed. And it was a medium. It wasn't a massive, you know, size apartment complex uh, for our first deal. But it's, it's, it's amazing that if you bring those partners and not only that, they're expertise that we essentially call them the board of advisors for this deal because they didn't really make any decisions unless me and Jay had were faced with a situation where we, we needed to consult them and say, Hey, we're looking at, you know, this property management company before we sign a paper with them. You know, we want your, your input on that. Cause that's a major decision when you're figuring out who's going to manage the property. So Another thing, again, just for all the listeners, partner with people who have the capacity to close. Don't try to tackle yourself if you can. By all means, do it. Um, but that is one of the easiest ways to get in um, to larger scale deals is to to bring partners in who have already done it.
4: Yeah. And yep. just to add to that, the only thing that I would critique on the way that we did it is we waited until after our deal package together on our first deal. And then we started presenting it to potential investors. The, the way I do it now is I'll I'll go to sit down and have lunch with somebody interested I know is interested. I'll take a sample deal package with me and say, look, at some point in time, I'm going to bring you something like this. Let's talk through it. I want you to get comfortable with it. Make sure you understand it and tell me what's, what you don't like about it and what you're going to have to see to be a partner on the next day I'll bring you. Right. I love that. That's really smart. I love that. Yeah. yeah, I think um, my
1: buddy, Michael Blanc, who has a podcast and a blog and he's a writer, he's been on the podcast a few times here. Uh, he talks about, a lot about that. And I'd never yep. heard that before. He told me that it's a sample deal. Put together a sample deal. Yeah. That might be
2: where I got
4: it from. That's where the <laughs> nice. sample
2: deal package is essentially all we used, And yep. we were able to, you know, transition that and, and make that reflect our, our deal. And that's essentially the same one that we use for all of our deals from this point.
1: Yeah, it's so smart. Yeah.
3: Yeah. You you guys bring up a really good point of there's a lot of different things that need to be done. There's raising the money. There's preparing people for when you're going to be raising the money. There's running the rehab. There's finding the deal. There's finding people that can vouch for you so that you can close the deal. Can you tell us a little bit about how you guys split up the duties that go into taking down something like this?
4: Yeah, well, part of that is we're still figuring that out, right? So, you know, our first big deal together, there's a lot of moving parts, especially the rehab piece. And I think we, you know, David, you and I, were, we all talked about how our personalities are different. Tim and I, our personalities different. And I think what's happened naturally is our our personalities have just kind of shifted and taken on roles. And we we really haven't talked about it too much, but it's almost like, okay, Jay, you know, you're good at this. You you focus on the details. You're going to scrutinize everything. You're probably going to make a couple of contractors angry. You do this, you know, and then Tim, big picture guy, always positive attitude. Nothing can go wrong. He's going out and doing this. Right. So that's that's kind of how it's evolved. Yeah. Uh, But again, it took that first deal for us to together to figure that out. And the next one that comes along, it's just going to be easier.
2: We and the way I've learned is that Jay is the left brain he's the analytical. Sometimes he overthinks. Sometimes he's the perfect epitome of the analysis paralysis. I don't think I've ever had analysis paralysis because I'm, I'm the right brain.
4: I'm, you could have stopped it. Perfect. That's, okay. That's that too. <laughs> my bad.
2: But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the right brain The, the over, you know, I, I kind of have that 10,000 foot view and I, I can see the big picture. I could paint the vision. I'm more charismatic with people. I could easily strike up a conversation with pretty much anybody. I'm the guy that every single RIA meeting, I get up and front of the of everybody some people have seen it over and over and over every month and I tell everybody who we are what we do what exactly what we're looking for and then five minutes later people are you're surrounded by people who either have something for you or could get you in touch with somebody who can provide that for you and again it's that is i'm the right brain guy and, and it's like almost like the perfect partnership and and that's what we always try to tell people if when they're looking for partners one highly recommend one is the analytical data driven left brain and the other one is the more uh you know the visionary the, the right brain more charismatic could could pretty much converse with, with anybody and, and talk about real estate with anybody
1: yeah, that's awesome. Ken, I want to point out a couple of quick things here. We talked about it briefly earlier about how you guys would go to these local events and that I always suggest if you don't have an event, start an event. Uh, I want to point out the URL for that uh, on BiggerPockets. is biggerpockets.com forward slash events, right? You can go there, you can see what events in your area. And if you want to start one, go ahead and do that. Uh, one other thing I'll point out too though is one of the powerful things at an event, if you're hosting an event, you're at an event, and it sounds like you guys have this at yours, is where people like stand up in front of the group and just say who you are and what you what you're looking for. Um I know some of the clubs around here call it like the haves, was the haves and wants section or something like that? Yeah. They do the, what do they have, what do they want, right? I wanna point out obviously take part of that. If you're at an event like that, make sure you do that. But I'll also point out that over on the bigger pockets forums, there's a place called the bigger pockets marketplace. And a lot of people know the marketplace as where the deals are, right? You can go and like a lot of people list wholesale deals there and flips and things like that. It's great. But what people don't always know is you can use that as your haves or wants, like go in there and what, like introduce yourself. If you're a pro member, anyway, you can post in the forums and in in the marketplace. I mean, so, Hey, I'm, uh, you know, looking to get started here in Pensacola, and I'm looking for a medium-sized apartment complex. If anybody has any around, let me know. Right, those kind of posts like might attract just the right person, especially if you have some keywords in there, like city names. Uh, people will see that, read it, reach out to you, and just like in the in the real world where they surround you afterwards, and like, hey, you know, let's work together. Hey, I got an idea. They'll do that on the digital world as well. So I just wanted to point out those two things for people. Yeah. So biggerpockets.com/events and biggerpocketscom, biggerpockets.com forward slash marketplace. And I'm telling
2: you, Brandon, that's, that's amazing advice too. If if you could, you know, set a weekly reminder to just repost it, automatic. You don't even think about it. It will take you two minutes to write and post. If you do that on a weekly basis, you'll be one of the first results when people are searching that, or you'll be always on the top. If you do it once and never do it again, you may or may not get any response. You're like, well, it's not powerful enough. That doesn't do it well. You got to be consistent. You got to be persistent and you have to have so many no's before you get any yeses.
1: So yeah, Yeah. that's true. You guys, you guys are in the forums. At least I've seen your names around, right? Like uh, why, why can I ask you like, why do you, Maybe it's a little selfish question, but like, why do you participate in the Bigger Pockets? It's forums? you. What do we do? We, like, we feel like everyone. No. Um,
4: <laughs> you know, I, I participate for two reasons. One, to learn, because there's still a tremendous amount of value that I I don't know or never thought of, right? And, and two, to help give back. I promise you, if I wouldn't have found Bigger Pockets, I would still be buying single family homes. It cost me three hundred dollars a month to keep, right? And and it's just. It, it was just a shift for me, and I feel like I owe it to you guys, to Bigger Pockets, to help educate others and get past that initial question. Hey, here's a couple of numbers on a property. Does it, is this a good deal? Well, it goes further than that, right?
2: that's the that's beauty of yeah. bigger pockets too there's people who have, have just heard the term real estate and they're up here on bigger pockets all the way to people who are multi-million dollar investors and everything in between so if you just set a keyword um, notification and, and you say you know say if you don't one deal and and say if it's either a flip or maybe a a small multifamily using a two or three K let's just for example, if you know, you've done a deal, set a keyword for that. So when people jump on the, on the forums and they ask a question that you know you could answer because you have the experience to back it up, do that and, and try to do it, you know, every week. And then at the same time, you can go, what question do you have post that question? You're going to have a hundred responses that is just, it's just amazing that the power of, of big pockets is, is insane. And that's really the, we yeah. have to attest bigger pockets a lot to where Jay and I are at, and I mean we're nowhere near our where we want to be and and our goals. But bigger pockets streamlines that process. It's if you leverage it yeah,
4: properly. The selfish side of me is, and maybe this is the way I'm wired and the way I learn. But the more I educate, the more I learn. If that makes sense. Yeah,
3: absolutely. Sense. They say that you learn ninety percent of what you teach. It's the best way to learn anything. I think one of the ways that I love to use bigger pockets is when you're on the forums or you meet somebody through there, you can click on their name, you can look at their profile and you can see all the ways they've contributed. And based on the types of things they're answering or the questions they're asking, you can get to know what kind of person that is, right? So if I went to your guys' profiles and I looked up Jay and I looked up Tim, I would see that Jay was answering questions that were very detail oriented, that had to do with analysis, that had to do with making sure all your ducks are in a row. And Tim was giving encouraging (laughs) advice and coming up with these grandiose plans and telling people like, man, this is what you got to do. You got to stop doing that. And then me knowing myself, I can figure out which kind of person that I need in my life to help me become a better investor. Right. That's right. You know, yeah. The, the problem I think is that most of us are looking for people that are just like we are because we're more comfortable talking to people. So analyzers want to talk to analyzers and they get in a circle of analyzation and they get their computers out and they run these numbers and they leave three hours later and they feel like
4: they just worked and they just did something, right? Yeah. But they didn't. They just tickled yeah. their little analyzation. Yeah. You've been doing geek guys lately, Jay? I did. I, I put on my propeller hat just, just for this. right? Or, or the opposite happens with these big thinkers get together and they plan out these like,
3: 15 year plans to take over the world and be the next Elon Musk. And then they don't do anything because they don't have an analyzation guy to actually put something in place and make it happen. You can't only talk to people that are like you. You got to find people that have the skills that you don't have. That's what makes really good teams. You know, that's what the best sports teams. They have people that do each aspect of what their team's trying to accomplish at a really high level and then they all play well together. And I just want to commend you guys for recognizing that and stepping into your comfort zone and putting it together because now you have a really good partnership. The two of you have a good rapport. You know who's doing what, you know, who's good at what, and you guys are going to have, you're going to be successful in another deal. I'm sure.
2: Yeah. And another thing I want to, I want to tell a quick little a story about how, when we were, fr- we didn't really even know each other yet. We had just gone out to dinner and, and with our, with that broker, then we found this 42 unit deal. Um, And it was still, we were conducting due diligence. I knew the first thing that we had to do was put a deal package together, an investment summary for our, for the banks, for the, for the investors and, and et cetera. And so I built it using, you know, Michael blanks deal summary. He, that's, that's one of one example deal summary that, that I had in my toolbox. So I pretty much just made that reflect our, our, our deal. And, you know, I just an overview and I put as much detail as I possibly could into it. And then, you know, the next, the next, that night, I'm like, hey, Jay, you know, check this out for review. I mean, within 24 hours, I truly believe that he had some kind of investment summary making guru, like that he had in a back office of his house because of the detail <laughs> and how amazing it was in a 24 hour time frame. Like all the detail he put in, all the pictures were on point. There was like all the legal, all the legal terms were on every single page that is a professional grade deal package. And I'm like, all right, from this point forward, Jay, we already know who's going to be, <laughs> we already know who's going to be doing the deal packages in our, in our partnership. And uh, so that's, that's just like, you know, how, how we really realized that who was going to do what for that particular piece.
1: <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah. So uh, now that you guys have you know found each other through, you know, networking through bigger pockets and, in. in how do you do you have any advice for other people who are listening to this that are like, you know what, I, I need that. I need a partner because I am the left brainer I am the right brain. I need somebody to come up with what I lack, right? What's the kind of the first couple steps you would advise for people uh, looking for that? So
2: know for sure you gotta be patient with yourself because you have to give people reasons to want to partner with you. And how do you do that? You do that by knowing what you're talking about, being able to speak the language by reading books, listening to this podcast over and over and over, even if you know it's not in the particular um, genre that you want to go after or the niche. Um, So just educating yourself to where you can talk the talk and you know what you're talking about, being patient with yourself, and then going right back to having clear and concise goals and having it narrowed down into a 10 to 15 second elevator type pitch, not to sound salesy, just so you could repeat it over and over in your head 10 times. So whenever, when anybody asks you, what do you do or what are you looking for? My name is Tim. I focus on B and C type multifamily properties. We're focusing hard right now on mobile home communities and apartment complexes and desirable neighborhoods with a predictable path of progress. And if you could find if you could just fine tune that and tell everybody something similar for your own particular situation, people will take you a lot more serious. So be patient patient with yourself. Go to those RIA meetings, get in front of people, break out of your comfort zone if you're one of those left brain type (laughs) Type people like Jay. I know for me, it's like second nature. So I'm not really out of my comfort zone when I'm, when I'm doing that stuff. But, you know, you have to portray yourself as, as a subject matter expert, even if you haven't closed a deal, at least talk to talk and say, this is what I'm looking for. I know exactly what I'm looking for. And then brokers will take you more serious, too. So what yeah. else you got for finding partners?
4: You know, finding partners, I, I would say the same thing as I do for finding brokers. You know, it's. You got to have that one on one time. I think I think meeting socially or so through social media is one part of it. But you got to get some face time. You know, you got to you know, there's there's really hard to portray genuinity over over the Web. Right uh, or over text, so you, you've got to you've got to get some FaceTime with them, and it's gonna. Like Tim said, it's gonna be gotta be patient. It's gonna take some time to develop. I think we were extremely lucky with Kyle uh, having the the foresight, of saying, "Hey, these guys have like minded goals. Let me link them together." And I think he was, you know, he did it as he was hoping to get a deal out of it, and he, and he still sends us leads, you know. So. I would just say that, you know, don't be afraid to go grab coffee with somebody. Don't be afraid to go take them to lunch. Always buy lunch. You know, if you ask somebody to go to lunch, always buy. It it's yeah. just, it just lets people know that you're real and then you're serious and you're genuine. And I, I've been doing that with brokers and realtors for the last six months. You know, and usually the conversation is about what interests them. Hey, what's going on in your world? What what's going on with your family? That kind of thing. You get real, you know, eventually get personal. Now don't you know the first meeting I uh, come in and say hey I was talking to you on Facebook uh, what's, what what were you and your wife doing this weekend that's not the way to do it it's it's you know talk to them just be a real person to them because now you know now I've been doing that for six months or so the deals that I'm starting to receive are much more solid you know they're in tune with what we're you know we're looking for and it's just it's starting now we haven't closed on anything through those. But the, deal, the leads that are coming in are much more solid, right? Much more in our wheelhouse. Some of the sellers just think their properties are worth more than they are. So uh, but that's it. Essentially, just, yeah, well, re- just read how to win friends and influence people. And then yeah, apply that, do that. <laughs> do
2: that in real life situations, you know, be genuinely interested in others, praise people in public. You still haven't read that I book? I have not read that oh, book. Oh, man. Well, that's <laughs> it is a good book. The, the right brain part of the piece of the part. Yes. It has, so there we'll you know.
1: go. <laughs> So, okay, you mentioned, you mentioned sellers are thinking their properties are worth way too much. And so like, you must have some criteria on what you think a good deal is. So can you kind of walk us through what is a good deal uh, to you guys? What are you looking for?
4: Yeah So specifically we're looking for, and and the reason why we're looking for this, and we're talking about multifamily now is just our investors are looking for a minimum of 15% uh, RR and then se- somewhere between the seven and 10% ROI. Capital, uh, yep. ROI. Thank you. Yep. I'm the numbers oh, guy. you and have <laughs> yeah. <If> we met? <laughs> 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 so, but the beauty about that, you know, we'll talk uh, we've talked about our 42 unit apartment complex. The way we split that up, it was a 60-40 split, right? So the asset managers got 40% of the deal, the money guys got 60% of the deal. So the beauty of that, you know that what your investors are looking for. So you can kind of tailor the deal ever how you want to, right? And the latest deal package I put together, it was ugly. We ended up throwing it out, but it was a it was a 90 10 split. The reason why I say it's a beauty of that, and I learned this from one of our other partners, is that you go to an investor and say, hey, this is going to get you 50 percent return. They're probably going to look at you and say, hey, you're crazy. This is not going to matter. But and he did this exact same thing. He reworked the numbers, gave himself a larger percentage, went back to the same investors and said, "Okay, now what do you think? and like, yeah, we can do this that is more realistic. So <laughs> yeah, even though yeah. it's less, it's just more realistic. So it works out. You yeah. know, you, you, the point I want to make there is you just got to know what your investors or what, what your potential partners are wanting out of the deal. Yeah.
2: So before we even look at the numbers before, well, while Jay is stressing over the numbers, basically, <laughs> I'm looking at the location <laughs> and especially if we don't know the market very well. And and I, I haven't analyzed the deal without going to three different websites, bestplaces.net, that's Sperling's best places, um, ELS.gov, it's Bureau and Labor Statistics and City Data, citytacdata.com. And this is all we're looking for is is, these are very simple metrics that are so powerful is that is the population increasing? That's it. Is is it going up Um, higher than the average, which I think is like between four and seven percent, depending on where you're looking per year, the average population growth. And then not only that, but the median home price has to be above one hundred thousand bucks because if it's below one hundred thousand bucks, that means that people People could actually afford to buy their own home instead of running one of your units. So median home value, at least 120 is usually where our target is. We'd be willing to look between 100 and 120 if the other metrics are are checking out and then making sure that there's diverse employment in that market. Um, There's more than two, three, four solid financial or I'm sorry, solid employment industries in that in that market, making sure that there's healthcare, maybe there's government, maybe there's aviation, maybe there's a school system of you know multiple, not just one. It, it can't just be one specific industry that that is carrying that the economics of that market. So you know the location is the first thing I look at. While well, he's stressing over the numbers, basically. <laughs>
4: and, and, and don't be afraid of uh, uh, beehives either. Oh yeah, beehives. <laughs> oh man, yeah. <laughs> is there is there a story with this? Yeah. yeah so during due diligence of our 42 unit, we noticed that there were some bees swarming around this unit that was not occupied, and that was it. You know, they were swarming on the outside, whatnot. Well, then we got to go in into the unit, and bees start coming into more, coming in more. So our uh, our manager, our property manager at the time, wanted to just go in there and have our our groundskeeper spray them down, and and that be it. And I was like, no, something's telling me that it's just, there's more to that. So we, we hired a professional beekeeper to come in and, and scope out the situation. And the hive in there was about five years old. The size of it was ginormous. Like six feet by four feet wide, like
2: Whoa. four feet wide by six feet long. It was massive. It was yes. crazy. It was crazy. Wow. So,
4: we uh, but we got some, we got some pictures of it, and we got some really good honey out of it that I actually uh, jarred up and gave to our investors. That's right. <laughs> and the the running joke was either this is going to be the the most expensive jar of honey you've ever purchased, or this is your first dividend. Yeah. Right? So <laughs> that's what it was. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Uh but that's of funny. course that, that's going back that's to funny. metrics. We're looking for those value add opportunities. You know, we're looking for the location. Obviously the numbers gotta work, but value add opportunities like high expenses, you know, essentially what, where, where's the NOI and and high expenses could mean that the owner is paying for some of the utilities like a water or where you could bill it back using rubs, a ratio utility billing system on on a master meter is simply just gets numbers get put into a formula and every tenant gets billed back equally based on occupancy. So low expenses, if there are shutters that are falling off, if, if the grass is overgrown, and then of course. Um, if there's a distressed seller, if the seller is in any way distressed, and how do you know that, Jay? How would you know if the seller is distressed?
4: <laughs> he's in his mid seventies, and you <laughs> and you look at the <laughs> property around him that, that he's been managing and taking care of himself, and and you know half the shutters don't have windows on them. Half some of the units did not even have unit numbers on them. Uh, we walk in through one due diligence, and one of the units had some water damage to it, and there's there's mold. You know, surface mold that hasn't been taken care of. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. That's how most people like, respond hey, to that. It's like, what about that? And he goes, I've been meaning to get to that. <laughs> yeah. I to get to like two years ago or, you know, so <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it, that's pretty much it. I mean, and that's, that's, oh, yeah. We also right. found a stack of about for
2: podcast <laughs> listeners, it's about four inches thick of trouble calls that were never addressed by the tenants oh, wow. dating back probably just a couple years of, of trouble calls. So the, the tenants were not getting taken care of. And that's, that's why it had the reputation that it did. And that's, that was, you know, some easy ways to identify a good opportunity.
1: You know, I wonder if there's a, some way to like, Use I've never heard of an investor talking about this, but I wonder. And now I'm just going to give away some massive secret here. Now, like to find like y- use like Yelp and find like the apartments that have the worst ratings right on Yelp, and then use that as lead gen source. Like I don't, okay. I don't know if they rate apartments on Yelp, but like, yeah, I wonder if because like My- there is probably a, a thing there. Like the more complaints that tenants have, probably the worse the landlord is, the yeah. more likely they yeah. are to yeah. sell and be in Google, So yeah. Google reviews know. allows you to. Review, it, just yeah matter. maybe it's worth looking at yeah. Google reviews and if so, so you can find the ones. Yep. Um, anyway, before we move on to the fire round, I'm curious. I actually got inspired just now by uh, our conversation earlier about how a lot of the real estate clubs have this section the haves and wants. so i'm gonna I'm gonna shift that to our, our guests today, you guys. Is there anything that you guys want that our listeners might have? Is there something that we could help, like our listeners who are listening right now, like what is it you have the clear and concise goals? So what is it that you would like our listeners to know that you guys are looking for in your business? So, and and Jake, you back me up or, or completely change it, but this is what I believe
2: that we are looking for. And it is mobile home communities and apartment complexes any size, any condition within a three hour drive of Pensacola, Florida. That means Mobile, Alabama, Mississippi down even closer, getting closer to um, Orlando and Tampa and Jacksonville um, and then up to into Atlanta. Um, Not as far as New Orleans, that's probably like the border, um, but Any any size, any condition, mobile home community and uh, an apartment apartment complex or multifamily deal. We we like to stay between at least over 60 units up to 100. But we're going to look at all. We're going to look at all deals because some some hidden gems won't meet every all of our criteria, which which we'd be willing to flex. What do you what's your response to that?
4: Yeah. From an asset standpoint. Uh, absolutely, you know. I think too. Along, and this is something I'm venturing off myself. Is I really do want to give back. I, I think there's a niche that I can help serve and help and give back. And you guys have Bigger Pockets do this too. But the focus for us, my, for myself, is uh, you know real estate investing for the W two employee, right? And that's kind of what yeah. our, our Facebook group is, as or my Facebook group is dedicated toward, is because I started this journey with. I'm going to clarify this in case my boss is listening. <laughs> that the time, so the company that I had worked for for a little over a decade, uh, I was a principal at, we were acquired uh, under no stretch of the imagination did that acquisition go good. Don't even want to say the word great. Everybody claims that, everybody knows it. It was a very frustrating time in, in my life, and I was like, hey, I'm, I'm ready to pull the ripcord, I'm ready to do this full time. Well, that was three and a half years ago, and things have since ironed out, and I actually love what I do, right? Just like you guys. I mean, I've heard Brandon, I've heard you and Mindy and Scott, I'm sure David said the same thing is that, you know, we could all be financially free right now, but we love to be able to give back. So um, yeah. my focus is now, hey, you can do this while you work a full-time job and and focus on that niche. And a lot of me focusing in on that is in turn helping me learn, right? Teach but learn kind of thing. Yep. So, you know, I, I would love to point people to that Facebook group. But, yeah, from an asset standpoint, um, Tim hit it right on the head. Cool. And we will uh, link to you guys' bigger
1: pockets profiles, obviously, in the show notes of this show, which you can get it to at BiggerPockets.com, so show 282. But we're not quite done yet. We still got uh, the next segment of the show, which we lovingly refer to as our Fire Round. It's time for the Fire Round.
0: Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. Every lender loves to talk about how easy it is to get a mortgage. Then when it's time to fund your next deal, they ask for your full financials, your blood type, your mother's famous spaghetti recipe, and a map to the fountain of youth. Sound familiar? You, You got all that handy, right? Why not switch to a lender who actually makes qualifying for a loan easy? A lender like Host Financial. Post-financial takes the tedious tax returns, endless W-2s, and time-consuming financial requests out of the picture. Their light dock and common sense underwriting guidelines mean frictionless transactions every time. You'll even be able to use the actual or projected income of the short-term or long-term rental you're looking to purchase or pull equity out of. That's what lending built for investors looks like. So take the next step and grow your portfolio faster. Visit hostfinancial.com to request a quote in as fast as 60 seconds, which is faster than this ad. If not, it's pretty close. That's host H-O-S-T-financial.com. Again, that's hostfinancial.com. H-O-S-T, when it comes to hiring, you can't afford to wait for great talent to find you. Today's fire round, of course. Let's get to it. These questions come direct out of the
1: Bigger Pockets forums, and I know you guys are active there, so uh, maybe you recognize the questions or maybe not. But let's see if you can help out some people who are in the forums. Number one, I have this question. I have three tenants. All of them are on a lease. A young woman, a young man, and the young man's father. The couple is nice, and they make more than enough to afford the place. The father is clearly a freeloader. Last night, the father and the son got into a fight, and it sounds like the police were called. I'm waiting to see the copy of the police report. The dad got a restraining order first, so the couple can't stay. There are only three months into a year long lease. Any advice? Should I keep the couple? Should I get them all out of there? What do I do? If
4: (laughs) if the couple is gone and dad's living there, I'd be fine. You know, with it, I would say if it went any further than that. I would seek your attorney's advice to see what you could legally can do. Because I I don't imagine in your lease, it says something like if you get in a fight with your (laughs) wife or dad or whatever, you have to leave. I I would, I would focus on the legal aspects of it and see and get some advice on that. And I'm not the person qualified to give you that advice.
2: (laughs) And that's the thing before I'm going to even try to manufacture some kind of answer, I'm going to go straight to the property management team and say how are you going to handle this? And they yeah. have an amazing attorney on, um, on retainer and he's going to uh, uh, be an instrumental piece in that decision. Um, And it's, you know, there's a lot of depending factors, like what's the occupancy and all this, is it going to make or break the numbers? And, but even, even if it did, it's some someone like that, that's only going to escalate. There's no way that I could foresee that dad either moving out or essentially just changing his behavior overnight to where, okay, regardless of what you tell him or what you, you know, you try to convince him. And, you know, so it's probably not going to get any better. It's only going to get worse at that point.
3: Yeah. yeah. David Green, you you are a cop. Any uh, thoughts on that question? <laughs> you know, this is actually such a tricky situation for police because there's no crime committed, it sounds like, just an argument. And then a lot of people don't realize, like in, in my state, California, if you've been living in a place for a certain period of time, regardless of if you're a freeloader or not, you still have tenants' rights. And it actually has to go to civil court, and a judge has to evict you from like your parents' house if you're a kid and they've been living there for a long time. So the lease probably doesn't cover some of this stuff because legally it can't. So I think I'd do exactly what Tim did. I'd go to property management and say, How are you going to handle this? What do you guys recommend we do? And then uh, I would just, I you're, I probably wouldn't make a decision about who I'm going to try to kick out first. I would say, We need to start paying a lot more attention to this house. So I want a weekly walkthrough. I want to make yep. sure it's not falling apart. I want to make sure the rents are paid on time. The first mistake they make if I wanted to get rid of them boom that's what I would do but I wouldn't just jump right to that and think oh this could get bad I better kick them out no just pay a little more attention you know do a little more and maybe
4: go into a little bit more detail on your screening process
2: yeah yeah Yeah. was a screening process in place at that point or how did they get through the, the process you know
4: yeah. All right. Yeah, because I mean, maybe the, maybe the dad wasn't even
1: supposed to be there, and you that's know, right. You know, anyway. yeah. But I think it there he was. All he was on the list, list, so Yeah, you know, he said he was on yeah, the lease So all right. Anyway, cool. All right. Good question. The, what's funny is like those kind. By the way, those kind of things do happen when you're managing your own properties yeah. all the time. Oh yeah. Like yeah. we constantly oh, yeah. deal with stuff like that, and most of the time our response is like, <laughs> "What like." We just don't get involved unless the rent gets paid, like unless yeah. they break the lease. That's right. Yeah. I don't get involved with the drama because there's always going to be drama with tenants. Like the yeah. lower income you have, the more drama you have. And
2: yeah, it's just my first question was, are they paying rent on time every single yeah, month? Exactly. And yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> like, well, then maybe well, we'll give them a little bit of flexibility, you know? But yeah. Yep. And yep. that's All
3: why right. I use property management. That's right. right. That's exactly. That's <laughs> I don't have the authority to arrest you. I don't want to be involved. It's just fresh. <laughs> right on, right on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next question. The sellers do not want to give me a due diligence period in the offer I'm writing. What do I do? Walk away.
4: I would say walk
3: away unless they can give you all the
2: requested financials which are essentially a one sheet of paper with all kinds of bullet marks everything from certified financials to a PL over dating the last 36 months So all leases, if they can provide me everything I'm asking for, it's it's still going to be that's only on paper. But you still need time to walk the the property and take take a vendor through. So I'm I'm trying to figure out a way like around that. I'm just wondering how how they're going to sell it. They're going to probably sell it to somebody who either is paying cash and doesn't know what they're doing, or somebody who has the resources to not conduct due diligence because they know the property very well and they have all the financial data that they already have in their yeah.
4: so So it basically comes down to. You've got a process you know that works,
2: yeah,
4: and you know, the way to repeat success is to use that same process. If you're used to doing pro- uh, acquiring properties like that, by means yeah. so be it. Exactly, yeah. I'm not there, yeah, yet. we're not, you know, yeah. I, I don't know that yeah. I ever will be. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's funny
3: this came up in the fire round because this exact scenario has happened to me last week. My agents calling me and, and I'm finally like, what? And she's like, there's a great deal. I really want you to buy it. So we go look into it and she says, okay, the sellers don't want to offer you a due diligence period. And I'm like, well, why? She's like, they just want to sell it just as is. They don't want to have to do any work. I said, okay, well, did, did they already do a home inspection that I can look at? No, they didn't yeah. do it. Okay. Well, do they have any reports of what work has been done? No, that's not the case. They said that you can pay for a report yourself and then write an offer if you like it. And I thought the yeah. same thing as you like, who's going to buy your house? If yeah, you're telling people, Hey, yeah. I won't give you due diligence period. That just puts up red flags. So I'm going to probably pay more attention than I wouldn't have if you wouldn't have said that. And then you didn't even get a report done for me to be able to look at myself. So now yeah. we're just like in a stalemate and it's stupid because that house is going to yeah. sit on the market for 60 days. I probably could go just get my own inspection report and nobody would ever buy it, but just set a pure principle. I don't want I mean, to. Me, me and I, Jay were just, just talking about
2: that. It seems like now sellers are doing due diligence on the buyers before the buyers even start due diligence. So, we, we put it am trying to put an LOI in uh, for this mobile home community. And before we even get it under contract, they're like, we need to see a pre-approval from a bank. We need to know how exactly how much they're putting down. We need to know what bank they're using, like all this whole list of stuff. They're doing due diligence on us before we even get it under contract. It's like, I don't know if I want to proceed with this deal. There's too many deals out there to, you know, mess with this one. So it's, but that's funny. I just thought of that when you, you asked the
4: question. <laughs> and I know we're in that's the fire, but I've got a similar experience. It wasn't, it wasn't a due diligence window. It was uh, Verifiable income, right? So I had a thirty-six pad mobile home park under lease or under under lease, under contract, and kept asking. Initial request in the sales agreement was provide verifiable income and expense statements. Anyway, ended up walking away from it because they would not do it. They would not provide them. They, you know, their I think their last comment after many, many excuses was, "We're just good people. You just need to trust. You us. need to trust us." <laughs> <laughs> that, clearly, they're not very motivated to sell. If they were, what's not, funny is
1: know. when I was doing the mobile home. I mean, I'm still I'm looking for mobile home, but when I was buying my first mobile home park, I I was running across that kind of thing all the time. Like so yeah. many mobile home park operators do not have mm-hmm. any records. Like they just. They probably like walk door to door and they're like, Hey, you guys got your change out of your couch yeah. cushions today.
4: Yeah. And like, they just
1: collect rent when they want, how they want. Yeah. will you yeah. take a
4: piece of notebook paper with our, yeah. our maybe yeah. signed or maybe yeah. it's not signed. <laughs> I, I, I think <laughs> Tim was on to something that I don't think they were motivated to sell. Cause I even offered yep. to do a master lease for three years. So I could build that financial information and then, you know, strike a deal with them, but they, they weren't up for it. So
1: yeah. On to the next one. Yep. All right. Next question. If you had no ties to any city in the U S where would you move to start your investing career?
2: So me personally, I'm going to live where I want to live and I'm going to invest where it makes sense. So investing would be the middle of the, the United States. Okay. The South and the Midwest, that is where there's steady growth. When you, when you're looking at the United States, The east coast and the west coast is the most volatile that reacts the most to the per se market cycle the cyclical 20-year period of time that that homes appreciate and and depreciate so the middle of america is the most proven to be steady growth there's going to still be down markets but during those super volatile times where california and, and florida are going up and down the midwest and the south are stable so i would invest there and maybe move to Hawaii and hang out and learn how to surf from Brandon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I,
3: you're invited anytime. Nice. <laughs> You've already got the shirt. There you yeah, go. <laughs> pull, the, pull, the money out of your, pull the money out of your couch cushions. You can pay for your plane ticket and <laughs> you're ready to go. Easy day. <laughs> Brandon, why don't you All go ahead right. and take this last question?
1: All right. I can do it because uh, I was reading this. I think it's an interesting question, um, but it's kind of long. So 12 months ago, this guy paid off his first rental property in Boise, Idaho. Now he's making cash flow of a little over $1,000 a month. He thinks he can sell the property for like $230,000. All right. So it's worth two thirty. dollars He's making about $1,000 a month in cash flow. So he wants to take that money and, and use it elsewhere. He's not making a massive return off of what the property's worth. The two options are A, sell it and take the money and invest it in two separate single family house rentals. Uh, maybe put 20, 25% down on each one or not sell it, take out a home equity line of credit instead, a line of credit on it,
4: and then use that to buy one more house. What would you do? What'd you got, So I don't know this guy or his goals, right? So if it really depends on what he wants to accomplish. For me, I'm in it for cash flow. I would, if, if what's going to give me the, I'm, I'm going to pursue the option that's going to give me the most cash flow. Now, I do like home equity line of credits. Right. Because you're only going to pay for what you're using. Right. So it's it's versus selling it off, putting down payments. I, I don't know. You know, I'd have to run the numbers. Here's the analy- overthinker and analyze analyzer coming out. of it. <laughs> but I want to I want to see what's going to give me the most cash flow.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, I think it's a really good, interesting question. I never had anybody, you know, ask it before. I've never seen it before. That's why I wanted to bring it up is because. While this guy was talking about a paid off property, the same question comes up all the time from people wondering should I sell the house I live in right now and buy a rental with it, or should I just refinance it or get a home equity line of credit? And so, yeah, for me, I'm kind of like UJ. I just go through the number. I'm like, well, which would give me the, the highest return? And I go and run yeah. all the numbers and the return on equity. I know, David, you use that number a lot the return on equity, and is it worth pulling out? And, uh, Anyway, I'm there is no right or Leaving
2: equity but. in property not not only is it not financially smart
1: because you don't have the
2: return on equity, mm-hmm. right? But you're just making yourself more and more vulnerable to our very litigious society. And the more yeah. equity that you have in your property, the more people are gonna look at you and try to go after your assets if something happens. Yeah, you could have all the asset protection in the world and, and an umbrella policy on your insurance and everything, but there's not enough coverage with you. If you have a completely paid off property, they're, they're gonna look at you before they have someone, who look at someone who has 100 properties with low equity in every single one of them. So I don't foresee myself anytime in the near future leaving a whole lot of equity in any property.
1: There you go. Very all nice, right, so. Well. All right. Well, let's uh, let's transition to the last segment of the show, which we call our. Famous Four. These are the same four questions we ask every guest every week, and we're going to throw them at you guys right now. Number one, I'm sure you've heard these before. Number one, what's your favorite real estate? Each of you can answer individual. Cool. Individually, what's your favorite real estate related book or current favorite?
4: Oh, we paper rocks didn't No, go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead. Man. <laughs> so rich dad, poor dad. You guys have mentioned it a lot. You know many, many guests have mentioned on the show that book just, you know, there, but there was a trifecta when I discovered that book and it was actually discovered through bigger pockets. But, you know, we talked about the merger acquisition I was a part of and how horrible a nightmare that was. Um, my wife was pregnant with our first child. Discovering that book just had a paradigm shift for me in the way I look at, um, uh, managing money and growing a lifestyle for us. So it has to be rich dad for that. Yeah. So
2: big it's, everybody defaults to rich dad poor dad because it's the mindset shift that gets everybody into so i'm I'm gonna have to say rich dad poor dad um but for real estate um i'm probably gonna have to go to ken mcelroy's abc's of real estate investing um he is the, the reason why I pretty much stopped looking at small residential property. I went straight for multifamily. It's like a literally, and Brandon, you're the one who mentioned it countless over times over and over. So I'm (laughs) like, all right, maybe I should buy and I should read it. That was a couple of years ago. (laughs) And he it's a step-by-step guide of how to analyze multifamily property, you know, how to um, conduct due diligence. And it's just like, he simplifies everything. And then of course his advanced guide is the next one. So if, if I had to choose one, you know, Rich Adport has dad, that mindset shift, but the ABCs of real estate investing is is probably was probably the most had the most
4: profound impact on my career so far. Isn't it scary how much advice we get from a guy who has to wear I know sets of <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> hey double
2: hearing protection and it enhances the audio too. Yeah,
1: no, nobody can see that. But like before the show started today, I'm at my buddy's house recording this podcast, hence the bad sound and. uh, I put on a pair of headphones and they're massive. And like They're like air-trapped controller headphones. And then he got sitting here another pair of headphones. So I thought, why don't we throw those on too? You'll know, make the point. So yeah. I've got... Uh, more headphones than any person yeah. could ever need what's even so.
3: funnier is people don't realize this but brandon suffered a concussion yesterday because he's too tall and he walked yeah. into the ceiling of the house where he's staying at and it actually looks like he's wearing a special helmet to protect him from <laughs>
2: further
3: concussions
2: that's because his, With his, his, double heads.
1: his eye was also gouged out he just doesn't see how funny it actually looks <laughs> He only has one working eye at this point. I've had a rough few days, all right? I've had a rough few
3: days here. It looks all like we're visiting right. him in like the mental institution, <laughs> and he's got a soft helmet on, and he's been poking himself in the eye. Poor guy. Yeah. Yeah. But he's here providing amazing content for all of us in this podcast. Wow. wow. All right. Wow. All right.
1: Move it. Shifting okay.
3: Shifting back to you guys. <laughs> back to business. Let's not make fun <laughs> of Brennan anymore. Tell me what are your favorite <laughs> business books.
4: So uh, is this me? Yes, yeah, that is okay. you this time. So uh, I'll give you two I'm a big fan of, of Grant Cardone, anything he puts out, but are you guys familiar with Ryan Mickler at all, Order yeah. a Man? So um, he just recently re- released a book, uh, Sovereignty, uh, Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Men. It gets into business a little bit, but it is a little bit more inclusive about uh, protect, preside, and provide uh, for your family and what it takes to be a man. So that book, along uh, alongside uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, it was a paradigm shift for me. Have you read Wild at Heart? Nope. Heard of it. That's I one not. of
1: Dave, David Green and I yeah, talk about that awesome book a lot. Book. We we really both cool. love that book. It reminds me of what you just said about sovereignty. I'm, I haven't looked that one up, but I'll look it up.
2: I'll read but, it. I it to the list right now.
1: Yeah. Wild at Heart. Awesome book. But anyway.
2: All right. Tim. All right. All right, so if I had to again, there, there's so many great ones, um, and and it turns out I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna name two because they had equal profound equal uh, impact on my on my life and my career. The first one would have to be Tax Free Wealth by Tom Wheelwright. That is Rich Dad's advisor. Is his CPA, and everybody hears how much how many tax incentives you get investing in real estate, but it's, he really just simplifies why there's so many tax benefits and so many incentives. And he, and he was, he was the guy that maybe understand the IRS and the fact that the IRS is not just trying to, you know, consume as much capital as possible from the W two earner, the IRS simply incentivizes certain behavior. That behavior is to provide housing and to provide jobs. If you invest in real estate, you happen to be doing both. So that's why the IRS gives so many tax cuts and so many tax benefits to um, investors. Plus he he goes on a tangent and kind of a step-by-step guide to choosing the CPA that's right for you. So tax-free wealth is huge. And then the second one is The Go-Giver. That one is, is an amazing book. Um, it's just the five, I think the five steps to stratospheric success or something like that but it's all based on giving it's all based on the more you give the more you will receive. So the amount of income that you earn is based on how much value you could bring you know and and how much you can give all day but you have to also be open-handed and have to be willing to receive as well so the go-giver uh, i'll have to uh, that that was short read super short read super easy read even the tax free Wealth, well, super easy read but those are probably the two that
3: I yeah. Someone gave me the go-giver. I haven't read it yet. Oh man, is, it's great. Wow. Somebody,
1: somebody gave you the go-giver. Not funny.
3: <laughs> <laughs> somebody was paying attention. <laughs> All right. Uh, what about hobbies? What do you guys enjoy doing when you're not uh, cleaning out beehives from abandoned apartments? Yep. <laughs>
4: Uh, anything the family wants to do, you know, love my family, love my wife, love my kids. Uh, we're situated, uh, in Gulf breeze, which is, uh, between downtown Pensacola and Pensacola beach. So, you know, Pensacola, downtown Pensacola has been going through this revitalization for about 10 years now. And it's, it's just incredible booming, you know, area. Uh, so we, we hop down there if we get tired of going to the beach or on the boat or fishing or whatnot. Cool. Uh, So,
2: um, Yeah amazing beautiful wife Allison spending as much time with her as, as possible we don't have kids so this is the time in our lives where where the time together actually means a lot before we start start becoming parents and then Brandon you don't you don't know this yet but I too have a four pound Yorkie he's amazing <laughs> do you his name is McGee uh best dog ever man I never thought I would I would uh, be a, a dude that has a four pound Yorkie I was one of the German Shepherd or the Rottweiler because of a guy but um <laughs> best dog ever he's,
1: he's amazing. so more you- time with them as possible, of course. Did did you name him McGee off the McGee and me kids videos back when we were kids? Do you remember those at all? <laughs> no, <laughs> I all? never actually. Yeah, they were, <laughs> McGee oh and me was my like this. Gosh.
3: You remember those, David, right? Yeah, I do. Anyway, they, they were, were like, like the, anyway, the me- Veggie Tales before Veggie Tales. Yeah, no, it was exactly. like '80s kids videos. Anyway, McGee my wife would, it up on my,
2: YouTube. When we, my wife and I first got <laughs> together. She would call me McGee, just random. Yeah, uh, and then one of my favorite all-time bands is is unfreeze and McGee, awesome band out of Chicago. And that will transition into you know the fact that music is my passion. I can't live without music. I've been playing drums all my life. We I play in a live band. I play in a band in this area. We we you know have have shows most weekends. And nice. uh, so I <laughs> love going to see music a lot. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to get into real estate. So my wife and I can travel the world and go see music all over the world and, and enjoy. It just it just takes me into it into a different mindset when I'm at, at, at seeing live music and then just staying active, being on the water where Pensacola Beach is one of the one of the finest beaches in, in, in Florida. And super clear. Uh, I like to scuba dive and stay active and uh, enjoy the summertime.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, my last question, you guys can answer this independently if you want or together. It doesn't matter. What do you think separates successful individuals from those who give up, fail or never get started?
4: I I think we both have the same answer, right? Pretty pretty, pretty close. Pretty close is that you got to know your why. Right. And I touched on this earlier. You got to know why you want to invest. And then you can set up goals to support that why. And then you can focus on your investing criteria to, to support those goals. But you got to know why. And I could I could say it's the grit, you know, never giving up. That's it. Just knowing
2: that it's this is whatever you're happening, whatever is happening in your career, whatever you're failing at. Know in the back of your head that this is all part of the process. Just keep going. Keep talking to people. If there's a, a brick wall that you have faced, it's usually uh, one person that's missing from the equation or maybe one book or something that you just need to get that little piece of advice or one podcast that you just need to listen to. Just don't, don't give up, don't stop. And establishing your why I I, I do, I, I have to emphasize that because I spent so much time establishing my why not only like, you know, why I want to do this for myself because, you know, I want freedom and I want to give back and help promote financial education all, you know, all over the world. But Understand why people get into real estate, really educate on yourself on why people get um, involved, why there's so much tax benefits, why the government struggles providing affordable housing, why all that. So if you have that solid why, I mean, I can say, well, you need to set up your why, but learn about all the reasons why people do this and why real estate is so powerful. I think because I spent so much time on that, everything is just a habit. Like I don't even have to think, oh, I just gotta keep going, I fail, but I have to keep going. It's just a habit now. It just automatically happens because of that, that why is so strong and so stable.
4: And it's, it's a motivator, right? So while we talk about all the good stuff that happens in the deals and, and, and growing our financial wealth and independence, Things go wrong, and you've got to have something you can rely on uh, to help pick you back up and get you motivated again. And 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 the clearer your why is, the easier that it is to do. All
3: right, tell us, guys, how can people find out more about you? So, of course, on Bigger Pockets,
2: I think I'm Timmy Kelly on Bigger Pockets, and pretty active on Facebook and LinkedIn. Timmy Kelly on Facebook, and then LinkedIn is Timothy Kelly. Pretty active on. Instagram, the Timothy Kelly, and then my website, Kelly Housing Group. Um, it's probably any yeah. of those ways. And then you could always give me a call, area code 847-910-9161, or shoot me an email anytime, Tim T-I-M at Kelly H G. Kelly H G Give out your you just gave I'm out your, your help, cell phone man. number to, to 20,0. <laughs> Only 1% of them may even consider calling. So. By all means, I'm
1: very, very open to it. <laughs> all right, Jay, what's your cell phone number? Yeah. <laughs> That's all um, you need to tell them.
4: 555? Five, 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 five. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, no, uh, it's. I have a landing page, uh, that i to everybody to is helmsrei.com. Uh, from there you can hop over. we got all the social media links. There's some, uh, things you can download. One of the things we talked about earlier, sample deal package. There's a link to the Facebook group, uh, and email of course is on there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, helms, H E L M S R E I.com. All right. Good deal. Well, thank you gentlemen. This has been a lot
1: of fun today. And, uh, Kind of excited to see where you guys head next in your uh, in your little partnership. So super yeah, cool. Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: Thank you for having Brandon, us. watch your head when you get it. Was- <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> that beam is too low. I had to, I had to make sure that you know. <laughs> <laughs>
3: thank you. Good man, good man. All right, we're getting out of here. Adios. All right. See ya. Thanks
1: guys. All right that was our show with Jay Helms and Tim Kelly. Super, super cool. I love that story. I love hearing people who are, you know, they they connect on bigger pockets or through bigger pockets. Uh, you know, me getting together, working real estate together. Cause I mean, it's like you said in the intro, right? The Avengers, right? Sometimes we have things that we're really good at. Some that we're not, you find people to work together and you can take on a lot of bad guys or
3: bad. Yeah, these guys took down a 42 unit property together. I would venture to guess that they would not have bought a 21 unit apartment individually. Yep. Right. Yep. So like, The sum of the parts is greater than the sum of the whole or however that saying goes. That's definitely the case with these guys. So that's very encouraging. You know, if you're not getting the success you want, maybe you're missing a partner. There you go.
1: Yeah, I I actually use a lot of partners in uh, various deals. I've kind of always done that. Uh, In fact, I'm looking at another deal right now that I'm uh, trying to put together and I'm going to use a partnership for it. So uh, more on that as it develops, but uh, I'm kind of excited. should push me over the hundred unit number that I was trying to get to. So we'll see. Uh, Yeah, you know.
3: That's really something.
1: It's really something. I'm growing up, putting on my big boy pants. 100
3: anyway. unit club. Yeah, oh, it we'll like, if I
1: get it, it'll be like the 150 unit club, which will be oh pretty, wow, that'll be pretty exciting. Yeah, we'll see. I'll tell you more about that later, off the air, because I don't have it under contract yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, y'all. Now this has been fun. Thank you guys for joining us today. If you guys like this show, make sure you subscribe to this show, uh, whether on your iTunes, whether on Google, whether on YouTube whether you're on Facebook, whatever, subscribe, hit that little button, hit the little like buttons, share this with your friends, make sure you like and comment and all that. And, uh, again, another good way to find partners. If you want to find people start sharing stuff like this on your Facebook page. I'm not saying that for selfish reasons, go share somebody else's stuff that's not even related to BP. Just share real estate content on your Facebook or on your Instagram or on your Snapchat or whatever you do Snapchat, if you're like seven and let people know that you are into real estate and they'll reach out to you and uh, you never know who you're going to find. So, with that, DG, anything you want to add?
3: I think you said it. If you ain't subscribing, you ain't trying. So you better go subscribe <laughs> and let everyone know that you're legit. You and uh, with that, this is David Green for Brandon. I am Groot Turner signing off. <laughs> you're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from
0: biggerpockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. Braving the real estate investing journey on your own can be daunting. Doubts tend to creep up and stifle your ambition. Is this actually a good deal? Did you run the numbers right? What if you can't find a tenant? Can you even afford this place? What if you lose your job? Whatever you're going through, we've all been there. And guess what? The best way to overcome your doubts and hesitations is with a healthy dose of knowledge, networking, and accountability. And that's just what you'll find in our newly released 2024 Summer Boot Camps. After these eight action-packed weeks of step-by-step guidance from expert investors, weekly video modules, live Q&As, interactive assignments, and new friends to keep you accountable, you'll be ready to tackle your first or next deal with full confidence and expertise. Choose from the small multifamily, short-term rental, or rookie boot camps and register by April 12th for the lowest prices. Head on over to biggerpockets.com slash enrollme today. That's biggerpockets.com slash enrollme.